Okay, um, so we're gonna talk about data today. And I promise you, this is not gonna be a very technical course. In fact, for the next few minutes, we'll have no formulas, no uh, tools, but we'll talk about very important concepts, some things I've learned and I hope to share. All right, let's start with something. Anybody knows who this is? Uh, Lightning McQueen, of course, yes, that is correct. And what do you think he's thinking? Um, now, the promise of data science is that the moment a thought bubble comes up in your head, somehow big data that the universe have collected in you and put in a computer will know exactly what you want and will give it to you. So. If the magic of the big data was so, a blue car would appear. Anybody knows her name? You should really watch, it's a great movie. The name is Sally Carrera. All right, so let me start introducing myself a little bit before we go further. I started my career as an engineer. I have, after getting my master's degree in mechanical engineering from University of Illinois, I worked for six years as an engineer, primarily at General Dynamics. I then moved on to, I don't know where the, okay. Uh, so I'll just fill them in. Um, uh, I then decided after six years of engineering, I wanna do something else in, with life, went to business school at Columbia University, taught for a while, and then landed the job with Credit Karma when they were still a startup, less than 50 people. And they saw it grow at the same time as the idea and the practice of data sciences kind of became prevalent. After that, I moved on to another FinTech startup called Credit Sesame, and just recently I started a job uh, with WalletHub, yet another company in that space. So at the end of this talk, if anybody is interested in learning about what it's like to transition from more technical roles in analytics to product management, you can ask those questions. All right, now, so we hear a lot of, about data, and I've done data science, I've done data analytics, done a little bit of data engineering, and it all starts with what you can get get as data. If, if, you know, the first question I ask when I go somewhere, when I consult or when I work somewhere is what kind of data you have? Because uh, that defines whether you can get insights from it. The best models in the world do not deliver much value unless you have relevant data that sits in a place that's accessible. So it is about data and that's what we'll talk about. Or maybe we'll talk about cars. So this is me. This is uh, probably the best thing I've ever owned. It's a Mazda MX-5 Miata hardtop. And um, I really like cars and we'll use cars as an example of something I'm passionate about because I think I found the best car for myself and I like helping others to find their dream cars. And for different people, it can be a truck, it can be a motorcycle, or it can be no car at all. 
So let's go through, through thinking first what it's like to uh, figure out the kind of data you need about US people looking for cars and cars themselves, how do we match them and how do we build a recommendation engine? So far so good? All right. Now, if you ask me, everybody would drive sports cars. And, the, and in the simple world like that, the only really thing you should ask is how much money do you have to spend? The idea being the more you pay, the better car you can get. So that is a very simplified world uh, in my head. Now, even in that simplified world, however, even at any price point, there will be multiple vehicles you can select. And if you look at the specifications of them, pretty much the same. But somehow, you know, the Corvette sells about 3,000 units a month, the Boxster maybe 300, and Alfa Romeo maybe 40 or 50. So clearly people have preferences. Even if all else being equal, for people who don't know much about these, looking at them saying, well, they should be roughly similarly popular, and they're not. So some people prefer American muscle, some German engineering, some the Italian mystique, and how do we determine which one is for you. Now, outside of my perfect world, there are actually other types of vehicles that exist. Most people don't drive two-door cars. Well, in fact, more than 60% of cars now sold in America are SUVs. Or I know people who are very passionate about their motorcycles. So there is an ever-expanding consideration set and then a very large universe of things you could be selling. Anybody can guess how many car models, don't even mind the motorcycles, are there on the American market? It's a pretty good number, about 280. That is actually pretty close. So how do we pick a perfect car for you? So we need two types of data. We need the data about the automobiles and we need the data about the people who buy them. So for the next few minutes, that's why I asked for the whiteboard, let's divide it half and half. And let's go through the exercise of thinking the kind of things you would like to know about a vehicle. Just throw them out there, I'll put them on the board, and then I'll... Hmm? All right, horsepower. That's my kind of answer. Thank you. Safety. Okay. Vintage. All right. Um, okay. All right. Okay. I like that tip. All right, so just dollars. Let's put it. That's big. That's color. Okay, good. Uh, so there are 
a lot of things that go into cost. Our maintenance is a big deal too. The brand of the car? Brand. People are very brand conscious. That is very good. Hmm? Okay, uh, teachers. Okay, um, um, let's, let's see how, uh, I, I'll just put the electric, I have my own ideas about electric cars, I'd rather not discuss at the moment, so I'll just put that. <laughs> All right. All right, okay, I think we filled one column. So that is what we want to know about vehicles. All right, let's go to the other side and what do we want to know about an individual who is shot? Okay. Age is good. Income. And you're saying? Okay. Just put family. <laughs> okay, hobbies. That's actually that's pretty big because you know. Like outdoors. Yeah, uh, that determines how much utility you need from it. Very good. So yes, let's do. Hmm? Type of work. Type of work you do. Okay. That's... Yeah, some people actually buy trucks not to show off but to. Whole stuff that <laughs> happens too. Good. Okay, commute. Mm -hmm. I think we got that. Thank you. All right, one more. I have space for one more. Okay, driving history. So this is a pretty comprehensive list. Okay. So it's pretty similar to the list that I found, uh, that I put together. Um, first of all, as I mentioned, you first need to determine whether the person is actually looking for a car. Because if you live in San Francisco and you take lifts, or you prefer to walk like I do, uh, oil, environmentally friendly and just take public transportation. Or if you're Amish and uh, your choices are limited. So all of those are considerations and you, you might need to find out those things about uh, a person to match to those choices. We did have a lot of very precise technical things. Those things you can get from catalogs how fast the car is, how much utility it provides, whether there are options you can get for it. And we also talked quite a bit about cost. And cost is not just the list price, but how much can you haggle on it, what it costs to maintain, what it costs to fuel up and so forth. And the sex appeal, that 
and uh, brands brands are increasingly important. Uh, at the same time, you want to match that with a person. And the one answer here that stands out that I should circle uh, is that the best predictor of a person's behavior is what they've done in the past. In fact, my neighbor just got a car and she had a Toyota Yaris and she got the Toyota Yaris. Same color. So over half of the people that or get a new car, get a car of the same brand. And that is a big deal. Uh, I can also ask people how much money you make, but that doesn't actually answer much how much you can afford on a car. And sometimes people come in and go like, I wanna spend no more than $100 a month and they get seduced with something they like and they pay $300 a month. So that is actually surprisingly, the objective numbers you can get on a person are not fully predictive of what they'll buy. Another thing that's really hard to determine is when a person is going to buy a car. People buy cars when their cars break. That, and that is something that no data science can tell you because if they did, you know, you could, you could sell that to the automotive manufacturers. Yes, yes. In fact, the biggest predictor of somebody getting a car loan is whether they got, just got the mortgage. So people who change the situation and kind of one thing it leads to another. So that is actually a very good point. And credit. The biggest problem when a person comes to a dealership and ends up walking empty-handed out of it is when they run their credit and they just can't. Uh, pass and I worked in the fintech industry that is a big pain point so those are the things they think it's a pretty good list well something is missing from it and it is on this list but it's not on my list so just about two months ago I got a new car uh, what do you think the first thing people ask me even though I'm a car guy what do you think the And I can actually, and this is really weird, and I'm not sure how to predict color preferences. And I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine is a politician, elected official, and he would, on principle, not ever buy a car that's either blue or red, because those are associated with political parties. So people are very peculiar in their choices. But yes, that was a very good answer. Color is a major, major consideration. I saw my mom shopping for a car, and I think two months after she picked what she wanted, she was looking for the right color. So that is. So how do we, you know, how do we find that? Where do we find that? Where in our data sets could you find things like color preferences, which are make or break things? Well, there are two, uh, two approaches. This is what most big data people will tell you. They'll tell you, mine everything that the enterprise have collected, put it in a big vector. Then go and find anything you can, 
can in the public domain. Then uh, go into social media, see what else you can find. And what I've seen over and over again, most times you do that, you're not quite there yet. And Google is famous for their big data science. And they've created Hadoop, they are just really big on data. But the first thing they do, they ask you, why did you come here? And without this, you know, without the search bar, they can't predict what to tell you. So a big lesson here is big data is good, but a lot of the times it's still, it's not enough. You need to engage your users and find a way to ask them. And ask them the right questions. And the right questions are pretty tough. So let's try to do this again. Let's try to do it on something that's, um, what you guys want to do. And business problem that's just burning in your mind and you, you want to think it through and you want to think through what kind of data you'd like. And I, I have a problem in mind, but any, if anybody else has, has one, we can, I'd rather discuss something I haven't thought before. Uh, some kind of a business problem. I, I presented, you know, car shopping. You guys tell me something else and we'll go through the same exercise. Well, competitive intelligence. Okay. All right. Give me a little more color to this. So, so, um, yeah, let's, let's pick a product and let's think through what kind of data, uh, you would like. Airbnb. Okay. Um, so now give me an exact question you want to answer. About. I want to know what the competitive market looks like for Airbnb. Okay. Competitive market. Hmm. That's fine. Define the factors which you want to Uh, well, that's what we're going to do. Okay. All right. Uh, so competitive markets for, for, uh, rental, uh, for, I guess worldwide rental, whatever they call themselves. Um, okay, so let's see what 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 kind of data would would help this gentleman to solve his problem. And this is a, I love this because this is exactly what happens. As a data scientist, you walk into the door, you know, at Airbnb, and they're like, "Well, they want you to tell us what." Uh, our competitors are doing. I'm like, well, do you have any data on competitors? They're like, no. They're like, okay, well, let's collect it. So, anyway, we are literally in the data scientist shoes on day one. Uh, that's uh, just keep it broad. So that's you know, that's if you start narrowing down, you'll have even less data. All right, let's help this gentleman. Um, what kind of data and where? Let's see first what kind and then where to get it. So those are very specifically different questions. So what kind of data would would we need? Okay. Okay. Okay, um, as we've seen, that encompasses a lot of stuff. 
but we'll live it at, at that high level. Okay. 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 I mean, that's very similar. Inventory. Okay. seems to be a good list. So let's now go and see where you would find. So this one is easy. You can Google who is in this business. Internet search is pretty useful here. Uh, tourism data. Where would you go to find that? Okay, so this is actually public data. It's one of the places where public data is useful when you're exploring markets. Customer preferences, that's a difficult one to crack. How do you know what customers like? What, or what other people's customers like? Okay. And I heard something else. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, so yeah, surveys, social media. Okay, so those are, I mean, that's a pretty good start. And this is actually the one place where big data might be useful, like, because you're collecting uh, large amounts of data, not in focus groups, but you know, in surveys and especially social media. Okay, how do you go about these things? You know, inventory and users. Okay, so you you can do the financial statements, but um, you know. Uh, people try to hide that as much as possible or in this kind of business exaggerate it quite a bit. That's... Okay, but that's, uh, that's uh, fairly typical and that actually requires some good engineering to do, but excellent suggestion. Yeah, so you can, yeah, you can basically hire a bunch of interns to do that. <laughs> okay. All right, so this is a good exercise. It basically, because we go through a list of things you need, we go through a list of things, places where you might be able to get it, and then you realize a lot of this data is not what you think of as big data. Financial statements, it is basically you hire a good accountant, they'll try to 
backwards engineer financial statement, but it's not a, a big data analysis. Uh, surveys, you know, to the extent they're representative or uh, reviews of social media, they're guidance, but they're not quite definitive. Uh, they, they, they still, you know, they, they'll point you in the right direction, but they never quite, you know, solve your problem completely. Um, and once again, what, you know, other than these two points, what's interesting that it is a tendency to try to go and find it without actually asking users. And uh, you learn a lot when you do, even if those are incomplete and biased. So this is what you start with when you start learning about a market, a product, uh, anything that you think you can apply big data to. And a lot of the times, there are only pockets of the, the problem that you are addressing where big data is helpful. So there is a lot of buzz, there's a lot of, kind of excitement about this, and there's been lately a lot of disappointment. Why does, you know, why can't that thought bubble in our mind immediately translate into something you see on the screen? So, what have we learned? We love big data. Big data is what gives me a job. But uh, the size of the data is not what matters the most. What matters the most is whether it's the data that's predictive or whatever you're looking for. The right data always beats out the big data. And sometimes, you know, instead of doing all this, if you can hire somebody who used to work for a company and ask them those questions, you can get a lot more answers than from all the data you can scrape of public services, of social media. Uh, and sometimes you just, that's what you do. You go to your users and you ask them. And the last point that I want to make is what to ask for is really, really difficult. Like finding, you know, there is a science to, to conducting surveys, there is a science to figuring out preferences and have a good friend who has a PhD in organizational psychology and that's all he's been doing. And, uh, if, and sometimes that's the kind of person you need to figure out first that, as most companies do, that you need to ask people. And secondly, what do you, what do you ask them? And that augments the big data. And um, I hope those things uh, stay with you. I've learned that in talks like this, when you have half an hour, most, most people can remember one or two things. So you get three. And by the way, I did get a blue car. <laughs> so the red car at the beginning of my presentation did get its wish. Ah, so. uh, no, it's Porsche. Uh, but I do like my multiver. It's uh, so, you know, now that I have a Porsche, I could say I like my multiver. All right, so this concludes the formal part of my presentation. 
Um, anything else you want to ask? I specifically made sure this is not technical. Um, I'm going to be teaching a course called Data Data Analytics for Managers, and it will get a little or a lot more technical than this. Um, but that's just a few things for you to remember while you're having a beer. And now let's see what else you have that you'd like to know. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Um. Ah, yes. Uh, thank you. So the question is, uh, how do you know when people are ready to uh, to get a new product? And uh, it is one of the most difficult uh, tasks ever. What people want is usually easier than when people want. Um, so in that, uh, their um, patterns of behavior on the website changes when they are just coming to check their score as opposed to when they're coming and actually looking for things. Like you see a lot more activity, you see higher levels of engagement. It doesn't mean they will convert, but it does mean that uh, this is, you know, you can see periods of hyperactivity. So, you know, when, when I'm looking for a car and I'm not a trader, I'm obsessively there. Most people are not as obsessive. And a lot of the time there is actually no signal. A lot of the time, well, two thirds of the time, I would say, uh, people just randomly on their nth visit decide they want a product. And a lot of it is not, uh, something you can control. Discover launches a new product or uh, Chase has a big advertising campaign that affects us. And uh, uh, the short answer to it is engagement data helps to some extent. Uh, but uh, only, you know, in, in some, you know, only to a limited amount. So there's been somewhat disappointing to find that you know, when you look for those what's called atomic cases like uh, uh, that you know something leads to something else like buying a house leads to buying a car yes sir Um, well, an economist in me says, says we are overdue for a recession. Like, you know, we are now ha 